Welcome, this is Trials and Tribulations. I'm Phil Airy and I've got my two cohorts. Sarah Owen-Hughes and me, Faith Douglas. <laughs> can't help myself. Oh no, you can't. So we're here live again we are. at Hearty Cap, but this time without your uh, thought peril head. With your forest bathing. It's my preferred head. Is that your preferred head? Absolutely, it's my passion. Not that Thought Perrow isn't, but... No, Thought Perrow's your... uh, um, It's a fab place, but this is... uh, My baby. Yeah, yeah. In fact, you've written a book. Well, I have, but it's not just about forest bathing. Can I just make that clear? Okay. I was asked to write about forest bathing. And when I met with... Harper Collins, I said, you know, there's so much more I want to write about because it's not just about trees, it's not just about the wood oils that trees release, it's about the air we breathe, the ground beneath our feet, the food we eat, the animals we pet, the seasons, the weather, it's about the whole shebang, so that's what I wrote about. And it's a good book, I have written it. Have you though? Speed right, you know, speed uh, I, bet you, I bet you skipped to the credits at the end, I just looked at the back and it said, thanks for a big fill. <laughs> not even my full name. Oh, come on. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm unco- I don't know why people call me Big Phil, but there you go. Larger than life. Phil. Yes, indeed. Your big sunny personality and your big smile. So how did, how, how did you find writing a book? Oh. How was it? I found that really difficult because it's... I had to sit in front of a laptop for hours and hours and hours. And I teach digital detox, so it's against kind of everything I teach, but how else do you get something like that across? Mm. So I found sitting in front of the laptop very difficult. I did a lot of it outside. I Mm. did threaten to use a typewriter, but, yeah, they were like, don't you dare, don't you dare do that. So I did threaten to handwrite it, but, yeah, I wasn't allowed to do that. Um, But I had to practice what I preach. Mm. Um, I remember one big stint of writing I did and I went down to Portsmouth Um, have you been to Portsmouth? yes I have actually and I spent hours sitting in a hotel room there was a reason I'd gone to Portsmouth Mm. um, but it was a perfect opportunity to write because I was on my own there was no distractions but I was literally staring at a window that faced onto houses and the only time I could go out was on a night time. Um, so I really had to rein in everything I do to make myself feel better and teach other people um, to keep myself sane because I found that really, really difficult. Um, but yeah, it took, took I, what, I had two years to write the book and it came out last May. Um, first lockdown, yeah. all the bookshops were closed. Shame. Yes, all online. <laughs> But um, actually, I think it came out at a time when people were perhaps turning to nature, mm. actually, for their own health and well-being, which is a good thing, and that's what it's about. Yeah. And did you sell many? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I don't understand the figures. No, they they no. keep getting sent the paperwork, but yeah. I don't really take much notice of it. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's got and nice pictures in it. Oh, well, that's why I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> you did um, 
Um, and they're still available online. They are, and yeah. in good bookshops and at Horticap. Really? You should know. You have copies downstairs. Yeah, no, I do, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've got one at home. Yeah. It's a fantastic bookend. <laughs> the, but yeah, no, it's, it's lovely. It's really lovely book. You know, I'm very the, proud of it. I'm very proud of yeah, myself. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you should yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah. And the... Um, but the other passion you've got is then forest bathing. Yeah, so a big part... It, it, there's a whole chapter devoted to trees, mm. and in that tree chapter I do cover forest bathing. Um, so many people think forest bathing is a Japanese technique, um, and I would correct them there, that actually it's a, a, a technique that cultures all over the planet practice, and it's a practice that our you know, ancestors would have practised. We've just given it a label, that's all it is. Mm. So a lot of people are put off by the words forest bathing and it's just a direct translation of the Japanese Shinrin-yoku. Now, the Japanese have done research and um, all the science behind it and that research spans about 20 to 30 years. And they found that um, trees release oils, so think essential oils, trees release oils, and as we are hanging out with the trees and you inhale these oils, they have a direct effect on your nervous system. So they would affect you physically, so lowered heart rate, lowers blood pressure, um, and they affect us mental and emotionally as well, so stress relieving. The knock-on effect, it's great for people with uh, mood disorders, so depression, anxiety, PTSD, brilliant for children um, with behaviour problems, ADHD, for adults with behaviour problems, because uh-huh. adults yeah, get yeah, behaviour yeah, problems yeah, too, yeah. right? Uh, helps us to sleep better, helps us with pain. Um, we would recover better and quickly from illness and injury. And the knock-on effect is a, a boosted immune system um, and overall quality of life improves. So it, just from hanging out with the trees. I mean, walk, walking around the trees, you feel better anyway. You, you just do. don't realise what the enough. trees are doing to you. Yeah, and that's enough. So as we're walking through the forest, through the woods, makes us feel better. We, we think it makes us feel better. It actually, actually it does, does there's, scientifically. There's, there's a whole science behind it, you know, but it should just be enough to feel good. And that's okay, but mm. there is a whole science behind it. But do you know what's really important? A lot of people will say, you know, well, what's the difference between walking my dogs through the wood every day versus what I teach people? Mm. And I would ask people where their minds are because often a lot of people aren't aware of the dog they're walking, let alone where they are, because we're so chaotic. And society encourages this, doesn't it? We're so chaotic, we're so caught up in either the past or the future that we're actually missing the present moment, which we're missing life actually because the present you know life sits in the present moment doesn't it yeah and mindfulness in in a natural environment comes easily it makes mindfulness a lot easier for people because naturally as human beings we find nature inspiring and you know it fills us with awe and you are forced into the present moment anyway so it kind of has this magnified knock-on effect really of being mindful and being nature so is it a bit like hypnotic where you have to get your mindset, not just walking through and enjoying it, but then properly? I wouldn't use the word hypnotic because that's something completely different. It's yeah. about being mindful. It's about being fully aware and connected to your present surroundings. So using your... The easiest way to do it is to use your senses. We've all got senses. It doesn't matter how good your senses are or how good you might think your senses are versus somebody else's. So, for example, somebody who's deaf can still experience sound because sound is simply vibration Mm. and it affects you on a cellular level. 
So you would just use your senses at that moment in time. So you're at the road, walking through the pine woods. It's a beautiful sunny day. You stop, you close your eyes, you listen. Mm. What can you hear? It's not necessarily about the noises you actually hear and what they are. It could be children playing. It could be a dog barking. It's just about fully experiencing the noises that are happening around you. You open your eyes. You take a really good look around. That they found in society that we're losing our peripheral vision, and that's really scary. A lot of sports teams are hiring vision coaches. So your peripheral vision, if you're staring at something directly in front of you, it's what you can see out to the side. And sports coaches use that they're using vision coaches because we're losing it, and it's because of our use right. of technology and the way we use our eyes we're not using our eyes actually so if you go into a woodland and you look so if you spend five minutes and we all have five minutes right set a little timer if yeah, you need yeah. to just spend five minutes looking and that means looking up there's a whole world above your head looking down looking at things in detail looking at things into the distance and it really is the more you look the more you see the more you listen the more you hear experimenting with what you feel you know, for, for a human, the sense of touch is really vital. It's really mm. important. And it's one that's massively overlooked. You know, we need to touch. And nature is tactile. And as long as you're not damaging things, you know, it, it's important to get hands on. Why not? Mm. You know, we're a nation of do not touch, aren't we? Probably more so now yeah, than yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with getting a bit of dirt under your fingernails. Mm. There's nothing wrong with getting your hands dirty. And, you know, they've found that soil has antidepressant microbes that you not only inhale when you're working with the soil, but you also absorb it through your skin. Um, you know, so don't be afraid to touch. Go hug a tree. If you want to hug a tree, go hug a tree, you know. I've hugged trees. Well, why not? They <laughs> <laughs> have to be big trees. Um, so do you, do you do this on your own? Can you do it in groups? Any. I think, you know, what I like to say to people is it's very personal practice. Mm. and you know what works for one person doesn't work for another all I can do is give you a toolbox give you a toolbox and then you go away and you develop your own personal practice mm. you know I lead groups all walks of life young old you know it, it, everybody and anybody and there does not have to be something wrong with you and I use that really loosely to get a benefit yeah. everybody and anybody get, can get benefit from this mm. and should get benefit from this mm. I think it's great. I mean, I'm, 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 I'd give it a go. Do I do, I do barefoot through the uh, through want. the leaves? I don't I, know. I teach barefoot. There's barefoot. a whole science behind barefoot Grounded as or something. well. There's a whole science before oh, behind barefoot. That's all different podcasts. Do you know what's what's weirder, right? Yeah, go on. Stilettos or barefoot? Really think about it. What? Now you see somebody walking down the street and they're in barefoot. The first thing you think is what the, what they're doing. What a weirdo. Bare feet. What's weirder? You really think about it. A pair of stilettos. Oh no, I can I agree with that. I know what I can walk. But I'm a bloke. In, and it's not stilettos. <laughs> I think I'd like to see you in a pair of stilettos. Do you know? I think I, I think I would as well. It'd be hilarious. But do you know there's science behind it? Skin contact. Going back to that sensory. Yeah. Skin contact with the planet, with the earth, mm. again, has these huge benefits, like the lowering of the blood pressure, the lowering of the heart, heart rate, the balancing of cortisol levels, which is our stress response, and you get an energetic boost. And actually, barefoot is very good for people with anxiety because it forces you into the present. So if you ever come across somebody having a panic attack or you know somebody who suffers from panic, panic attacks, get your shoes and socks off. You can't be anywhere else mm. but where you're walking because if you are, you step on something, it's going to hurt. 
you know mm. barefoot's amazing barefoot cultures uh, i think they did the studies in new zealand where they spent 75 percent of their time in barefoot they have their bodies behave completely different they walk differently they have less back problems headaches neck problems hip problems um it's just it's unbelievable mm. but in our culture in this country sadly it's deemed a bit weird to walk down the street with your bare feet it's not no. I, did, I did five miles in barefoot the other day did you? Five miles. And, and contrary to what people might think, it's not that cold and my feet aren't disgusting, or I don't think they are anyway. <laughs> they're soft, they're nice skin. I think I've it's seen your feet before, but there you go. I'm not getting my feet out. <laughs> and do you know, if your feet and your body behaves completely different. You know, your toes aren't squished up. And, mm. you know, people actually pay to buy toe dividers to divide and separate their toes when actually you could just walk barefoot because it will happen. I'll do it there. Yeah, yeah. and it's, you've got all those, think reflexology, so you've got all those acupressure points all over the bottom of your feet which have a direct relationship to the other parts of your body, physically, mentally and emotionally, and you're stimulating all of those parts of your body just by walking barefoot. Mm. It costs nothing. How much is a reflexology session? I've, not, I've never had one. Well, there you go. Just walk barefoot. costs you nothing. Ah, you see, that's what I like. Proper Yorkshireman. Cost me nothing. There you go. There you go. So I'm going to move on to Lisa. Lisa Norton, our uh, second guest. A biophilic designer. Mm. Now, are you going to explain what does that mean? Yeah, so, um, so biophilic design is... Um, biophilia, I'm not sure if you've, you're probably aware of what biophilia means, but a lot of people don't. It's a fairly new terminology. And... Um, it basically means our um, innate need to be in nature, so our love of life and what we can derive from nature. So our ancestors, from our ancestors, basically, our minds are mapped to um, ensure of our survival, and that means that we connect to nature on all different levels, as Faith was saying. Um, so we know when we're in nature, we feel better, but we don't know why. Um, or, or some people don't know why we just know we feel rejuvenated so mm. I just found it really interesting to kind of study it and look at the elements of nature and how you can, we, I can apply that to my designs to make sure that my clients or whichever space I design the people within that space feel ultimately relaxed, rejuvenated and restored really Yeah. Um, so yeah it's been quite fascinating Yeah, I've really enjoyed doing it and, and we met down at the, the flower show where you did a fantastic design you. and you sort of did, uh, it was like a, a living room within uh, a garden setting. It, yeah. was, it, was, it was bringing the, the outside into the garden. Yeah, it was, it was, the, the, the whole theory behind that garden was it was a biophilic designed garden, so elements, every element was carefully thought about as to how it made you feel and how it made you want to travel through it and the elements in that garden, so there mm. were things like, um, so, there are, there are, so biophilic design is basically an informed approach to design where you look at the elements of nature that give you benefit and then you incorporate those into your space mm -hmm. a lot of the time it's done in the built environment so you find a lot of interior biophilic designers this is becoming very right. new now um, and so you'll find a lot of commercially designed space you know offices there's plants everywhere there's yeah. just you know they're trying to bring nature indoors 
Um, and that's how I kind of got on this road, really, because I was kind of fascinated by green walls and green roofs, and for so, I just found it. And so I was going to study how to, um, you know, become a specialist in that really. Mm. But then I found biophilics, and I just thought that's it's much more encapsulating, and it's you can actually apply it to a lot more spaces. Um, so there's kind of three principles to biophilic design which are nature of the space so looking at how a space is connected um, how it makes you feel what's in the space uh, can you travel easily through it um, a number of things of how the space is laid out and does it connect does it connect to its surrounding environment mm. um, and then nature in the space so what you actually incorporate in it so in that in the garden at the flower show there were things like water wood rock Stone, all of those music, things. music, music. Mm. That wasn't part of it. That, well, I, I thought it was a really good part of it. Yeah, well, it, it really did give that. I think what the music did was give you the final emotional attachment to mm -hmm. the yard, and it definitely did yes. for me. Yeah, um, but music isn't featured as by a first part of the No, but design. I think it, I think it just added uh, that little bit. Did. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. by for the, that can be, you can bring that inside just as much as you can do it outside? You can bring it inside, yeah, and that's what we're using it for because I think that the, the terminology was really investigated more because we are disconnecting from nature. We are becoming, our, our cities are becoming more built up. There's not enough nature in the cities. We're having all climate effects, urban yeah. heat island effects. Um, so, we're trying, so we're trying to basically undo what we're doing to try and balance out our mental fatigue yeah, yeah. and our stress because mm. our stress you know physically and mentally we are becoming very ill mm. as a society and so this nature can ground you without you actually having to do anything all you have yeah. to do is experience it um, if you if you think about we're, we're animals right yeah we're an animal that occurs naturally in this planet whether we like it or not and if you generally, as a rule, if you take any animal out of its natural habitat, it fails to thrive. Yeah, and if you look at human beings as a race, are we yeah. thriving? No, no, exactly, yeah, Not exactly really. that. And, and it, it's quite fascinating. Some of the principles are things that, like, um, prospect. So having a view over open landscape. So when we, when we experience a view, we think, oh, that's, that, that looks amazing. That makes me feel brilliant. And we don't know why. And that dates back to our ancestors because we have a view, we see there's no predators, so we automatically feel relaxed. Um, things like uh, refuge, so if we view out over the landscape from a protected place, we know there's nothing coming from behind, so we then automatically feel relaxed. Um, so that really helps me to um, incorporate that into my design. So if I mm. put a seating area in, as it was in the flower yeah, garden, yeah, yeah. it was protected, you could sit there, you could view over the landscape and then hopefully then achieve that ultimate feeling mm. of relaxation. Really. Everybody, everybody likes that view. In fact, I've got my friend David here who's got an amazing view out of his uh, kitchen overlooking the, the crag. Yeah, it's a beautiful view. Yeah. And, and um, it's, just, it's just fantastic to sit there and, and look at, I mean, just round at Horticap as well. Uh, unfortunately, there might be a few more houses uh, getting built, but we've got lots of trees, you know what I mean? It's always You've always got the sky above your head, so if all else exactly. fails, look up. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, the, and the ground. <laughs> look down, look up, don't look forward. 
So have you got have you got any uh, is your client base uh, are they embracing that or is it just is it Harrogate Harrogate yeah Harrogate Garden Design Harrogate um, Design so yeah. I, I I automatically incorporate it into my designs my clients whether well, they like it or not yeah well it's just <laughs> I know it yeah it is a, of course a great thing to do and it really has helped me be able to go right well that should be there and that should be there because mm. I know that's right. Um, and um, so yeah but people don't request it as such but I think moving forward I did do a, a design for Richard Taylor um, school it's a wildlife garden mm. um, and you know looking at the benefits um, that you can give back to kids and to you know there, is, there are quite a few statistics about you know if you have a biophilic design space and things like workplaces you can improve performance mm. by between 10 to 25 percent uh, reduce absenteeism by 15%. Um, in education, you can increase speed of learning by 20%. Mm. Um, so, and, and also it's about, like, you can, in, can reduce symptoms of ADHD and things mm. like that. And if you can engage the inhabitants of that space and really make them feel emotionally attached and bring out the best in them by restoring their mental fatigue and reducing mm. their stress rates... Um, I just I feel quite passionate about bringing that to bigger groups of people. So my longer aim, and I don't know, I'm just waiting for things to kind of fall mm -hmm. in my path or whatever. But my my bigger aim is to do it for bigger groups of people who really need it. Mm. So hospitals and schools and things like that. Yeah, I mean uh, a lot of hospitals was you can't have flowers and stuff like that. But then um, bringing bringing greenery, bringing living plants in. Uh, conditions the air yeah, makes yeah, us all yeah, feel better. Yeah. Well, they, they found with studies, didn't they, that if your hospital bed is next to a window, yeah. you improve quicker and more yeah. effectively versus somebody who's not next to a window yeah. looking at a natural space. And a lot of hospitals do have quadrangles in them, which are green spaces. Sadly, most of them are locked. You will find that they are locked. Yeah. But what you will find in hospitals, and this is the, the clever thing, you know, for people that can't get out. Um, you can bring house plants in, you can bring nature inside, but if somebody's really bedridden and very sick and they cannot get outside, mm. um, you know, there is proof that looking at pictures works. Yeah. That, that, so a picture of a man-made environment promotes stress on the body and a picture of a natural environment does the exact opposite. So if you look at hospitals and the, the corridors, they will have very perfectly placed pictures. Yeah. They're generally natural landscapes, mm. natural images. And I think it's um, Alderhay Children's Hospital um, play birdsong in the corridors for children um, to, mm. to relieve stress and anxiety. There are so many things you can do, like minimal. Mm. It just requires thought it and does. it requires yeah. planning. And I think when we did the flower show, the thing I was talking to Faith about it earlier, and, and I felt emotionally attached to that garden and mm. I missed that garden. Yeah. Um, and it, it made me sad that it didn't go anywhere. You know, it, yeah. it, and but that comes down to the planning and it comes down to the funding. And I think if I ever did another garden, I'd, I, I, I wouldn't do it unless it was going somewhere because yeah. it could, then it could benefit so many yeah. other people moving forward. Really, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, and that's what a lot of, a lot of the gardens uh, are part of hospices and stuff like that. Mm, so they yeah. know that it's going mm, yeah. there. You did the design for 
the Help the Heroes, that went up to... Well, that, that was part of a much bigger project and part of that went into the show gardens. But sadly, yeah, most of the gardens don't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, they're done for other reasons, I think, yeah. generally. Like, like Horticap's gardens, it's to promote Horticap, isn't yeah. it? And it's an amazing way to promote And everything Horticap. comes back here and yeah. I reintroduce yeah. it the following year anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> Recycling. You know, the, the, it's just a, the same the same yeah. show garden, just a little yeah. bit different. The show gardens are a really good way of promoting yourself and, and, and mm. to, yeah. to tell somebody a story. You know, if you wanted to teach people about what you do, that's a really good way of doing it, I think. Yeah, yeah. And the um, and uh, we've had gold a few times. You've had gold. Premier gold. Premier gold. Yes, <laughs> we got premier gold last year yes, as well, so but I don't like to brag about it. But um, so, so I tell you, we've got we've got. Uh, you've got more premier golds than I have. <laughs> yeah, we've had two. Yeah. yeah. But we've, we've got a judge amongst us, you know. We have a judge here, Sue Wood. I put her down as the, the gardening guru because she knows everything and everybody. Um, Sue, judge of Yorkshire in Bloom. Can I pay you any money so we uh, get a better award next year? <laughs> you could try. You could try. <laughs> so, I might not be judging you. Might be somebody else. Oh, let it be you, Sue. Let it be you. It might be me. You never know. Could be. And if it's you, you're definitely giving us a better award. I'm fed up with silver gilt. Um, So, Sue, first of all, you've got some fascinating facts. We have. Yeah, definitely. You you lay some fascinating facts on me. Okay. Um, Over 37 million people each year visit public parks. Wow. I mean, that's you know. Pretty good. It's a big number, but then why? Why that? I shouldn't surprise us really, because. Uh, do you do you think right? Because we're in Harrogate, yeah. You've got the Valley Gardens. Um, I grew up very close to the Valley Gardens, and the way in which it's used now versus when I was growing up many many years ago, it's very different. Because I remember going to that playground and walking around the Valley Gardens, and there being nobody there when I was growing up. But now it's mm. chocolate. Mm. It's just, yeah. So has that figure increased over the years, do you think? Or Yeah, I think so. Um, they, they do have pedestrian counters on, that, uh, yeah. on the main gate. Um, yeah. They're getting between about three and three point million a year. That's a lot Pedestrian counters? Yeah, yeah. No. They're definitely. They're secret. So as soon as you go in, clocked. Absolutely. Yeah. Just go in and out, in and out really fast. That's it. Is that, but well, I think that over COVID, I think numbers are going up all yeah, the time. Yeah. Mm. Um, p- particularly in the lockdowns, everyone was having to get their hours exercise and, and walking yeah, through yeah. the park up to the pine woods. And the weekend, it was, it was quite a busy place, really. Yeah. And the, the thing is, around Harrogate, we're really lucky. We've got a stray... Um, which is an amazing place. Yeah, yeah, we're very fortunate, you know, and we've got things like Park One on a morning, Saturday mm. morning. That's that's been building in yeah, numbers. I've, I know I've, they've had I've a little seen break. It many a time, I was on um, passing in my car. But we've got a junior <laughs> Park One in Valley Gardens now. We've got we've got one at Cunningham Hall, and there's there's one at Fountains Abbey if you want a, a slightly different one. And Airville Park in uh, Skipton. So really? uh, they're all about, and it's another way to enjoy the open space, isn't it? You yeah, know, it is exactly, and get some exercise. Um, yeah. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a bit about the Yorkshire in bloom um, because in 2020 it all went virtual. It did. How did that yeah. work? It did. 
Um, it was it was good. Uh, we had quite a lot of entries. Yeah, I think some people enjoyed it better. It it took away some of the stress levels. I think for from yeah. judging. I know you thrive on it, but uh, other people it. other people aren't quite so keen. So um, <laughs> uh, took some of the stress away. Mm. And so we're going to do a hybrid version next year. So you can ask for a visit. Yeah. In the normal way, or we can go for a hybrid where you uh, submit some photographs and mm. and some information about you. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. it was a really good way of uh, the entrance to really show off their garden in different seasons, wasn't it as well? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, you know, and it's something as a judge you never see. Yeah. You don't you, unless you see pictures yeah. that they show you on on the day. You don't yeah. see what happened in the autumn, whether we were bulb planting, tree planting, or yeah. the autumn colour, and you don't necessarily see the spring flowers as well. So mm. it, it yeah gives everyone a real opportunity to mm. showcase their entry. You know. And, and we have entries from all over the place, so it's, it's mm. like yourselves, it's Horticamp, it's Thorpe Perrow, it's mm. public parks, it's pocket parks, it's yeah, yeah. Uh, children's allotments, uh, we've got mm. one of those over in York, you know, we've got care homes, pubs, restaurants, villages, towns, cities, all sorts of things, so it's I just, think... It's just been part, isn't it, get it yeah. get, and get the message out yeah. there of you know. being proud of where, where, you, Very much where so. the garden is or being yeah. involved in... Very much so, pride in their area, you know, um, they volunteer in, in various ways so they can maybe learn new skills, they can get to socialise with other people, you know, it's mm. another way of mating, making friends. Yeah. Um, so there's loads of benefits, really, um, yeah. from volunteering and, and getting involved with your own in local environment, you know. Mm. And it doesn't matter on the size either, does it? Because I've, I've seen some very tiny... Little gardens, mm. I think people think it's got to be big and grand and it doesn't no, no. have to be a whole town, it can be a no, tiny space. No, it could space, be just a little it? pocket area at the, the end school. of the street or something. Yeah, school yeah. gardens, yeah. yeah, very much so. Um, yeah. Of course, we, uh, you're involved with Copy School, so, you know, yeah. hopefully maybe they'll think about it, you know, uh, at Yeah, one we're stage. doing a bit of work um, very shortly for a making the path and things like that. But uh, And they, they and Coppers Valley, they've done the... Uh, uh, they've uh, done the their garden into a community allotment, so the kids attend it, uh, make sure it's all that. But the the they get all the community to go up there, do the gardening, and mm. be part of it. Yeah, yeah. And that always gives them just a great way to join in and a bit of get involved. With people around there, they're taking away the fencing as well, so it's open. Mm. Um, so that's an open bit, and obviously the back of the school is more secure for the kids but uh yes yeah, so there's little things like that you know yeah so right come on then give us another fascinating fact you've got me well uh, mental illness accounts for 23 percent of all ill health in england and more than one in four of the population at any time and that and as we were talking that's it, yeah it's um it's a, it, it was a big thing in, in, in lockdown, getting out for that hour. Mm, it was amazing. I, I, I remember, remember going, is that hour up already? You know. Yeah, you'd so sneak a little bit I more. I might have sneaked in another no, half an hour, you know what I mean? But, um, but, but that's why, you know, forest bathing in, and then yeah. biophilia, it yeah. just fits so well, doesn't it? It's just, um, it's what we all need, really. Mm, yeah. Um, and that, you know... Uh, at lunchtimes, I'm just trying to get out for 10, 15 minutes, you know, 20 minutes if I can. And yeah. you only need sort of 10 minutes to in the, in the sort of green area yeah. to, to appreciate it and, and benefit from it mm. for your own health. So. They say it takes 15 minutes if for mm. forest bathing, for the trees yeah. to affect your nervous system, yeah. it takes 15 minutes. Yeah. That's all it takes. Mm. 
And the, the other the other arm is you're, you're invited uh, to answer questions at the, the flower shows. How I mean the the shows have been uh, limited, but have you found people engaging more or? Um, engaging with you for gardening answers yeah I think you know they say there's now three million more more gardeners than there ever were mm. after lockdown so mm. I think there's some new gardeners coming out with mm. with some more questions you know they're still learning about you know soil types plants diseases mm. all that sort of thing pests um, and and everyone's still keen to to understand it a bit more and we will talk about our friend Phil Gummersell who's the president of the Allotment Society, and, they, and I can't remember the figure, but it was something like uh, applications gone up by 300%, people wanting to yeah. have an allotment and be part of that. I can so believe it, yeah. It, it's, it, you know, that, they, there's been waiting lists for allotments for many years, yeah. you know, just to try and get on, get a space. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But then that is a positive thing that's come out of all this, that gardening is, and, and nature and all that Very has, much so. has, Very uh, much has so. done that's well out of it. Yeah, definitely. You yeah. know, the more gardeners, the better. We need more. Yeah, we do. So, um, but very quickly, Lisa, where can we get in contact with you? Um, my Your email. Website. Yeah. yeah my website is uh, harrogategardendesign.co.uk. Yeah. Um, where, um, are you? Uh, oh, I'm around. You're, around. you're everywhere, you aren't you? Yeah, we, don't need yeah, to we get sick of you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um. So, has anybody listening? Oh, hello. I've got me back to you. Let me see it. Has anyone got any questions they would like to ask these uh, lovely ladies? Um, you don't need to, but uh, they feel lonely. Right. Excuse me, I can move. Get my legs going. Yes, dear. What legs they are. Um, forest bathing, does that mean it doesn't have to be a forest? It can be a small copse of trees or... I mean, is there a criteria for what makes it work? Well, the majority of the research was done in evergreens. Um, so predominantly cedar, because um, it was done in Japan. And Japan is a very green country, predominantly cedar. Um, but every plant gives off some sort of oil, which has a beneficial effect to us as human beings. So any tree, it could be a tree in your car park, in your, outside your office at work. If you were to go and have your lunch for you know, 10, 15 minutes, like Sue goes outside on her lunch break or something, if you're sitting up against that tree, taking some deep breaths, taking in the view, looking in the canopy, if you're sitting there 15 minutes, you're doing something really good about you, know, really good for yourself. I think the recommended weekly dose of nature for, for great health benefits is something like two hours. Um, but two hours is a lot for anybody to find. Um, but 15 minutes with any tree, any tree, you're doing something really good for yourself. And the thing is, you're a farmer, you're out there all the time. That, no wonder you look so, so young and healthy for someday <laughs> so old. No, you, no, but that's what it is. You work, you're working in uh, a fantastic area. And the difficulty is that when you're a farmer, you're not looking. You were saying about you need to look and it, look around you and use your senses. If you're a farmer, you haven't got time to. And that's yeah, and that's where you need to really put the effort into. Um, 
to really invest in yourself. You're in, it's an investment in your well-being, which is something we're not really encouraged to do. So, for example, I, I often make lists for myself, like to-do lists, and I might make a to-do list of jobs I've got to do. And on my job to-do list, it might be walk the dogs. On my, to, on my list of things to do for myself, it would be walk alone. So my walking the dogs and my walking alone are two very different types of walk. And I was talking to Lisa earlier, actually, and we like to know what everything is, don't we? We like to have a reason, we like to have an explanation. And, and you know, if, if you very much work in that environment, as do I, I have to make a real effort to switch off that part of my brain that I don't look at a tree and diagnose it because it's my job to do that. I have to allow it to be what it is, which means stopping. It means connecting with yourself, connecting with your environment, and you use your senses for this, and just allowing it to be what it is. And you might find you view your farm, your workplace, your home, in a completely different light by looking at it a completely different way. It's empowering stuff, it really is. Is there any more questions? If not, I will wrap it up. So I'd like to thank my guests. Obviously, Faith is with me all the time on the, uh, the podcast, but I'd like to thank Lisa and Sue for coming along and you for listening. Remember, you can download this podcast wherever you get your podcast. So thank you very much for listening. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening. That's been another edition of Trials and Tribulations. Now, if you liked it, please subscribe and follow. But until next time, keep it green.